let's let's do this. Delicious. Okay. Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. It's uh, Sunday, August 9th. Uh, this will be going out the 11th or 12th. I don't know. What is time anymore? Uh, <laughs> yes, the 12th. It is still 2020. Uh, for anyone listening in the near future, if there even will be a near future, who knows? But we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Hope everybody's doing all right out there if you're listening. I hope, you know, things are getting tough, tougher out there for people. But I hope everyone listening is still hanging in there. But I am happy to welcome back a returning guest who was the third guest I ever had on this pod way back in 2016. Uh, that is the illustrious Tommy Brown. How are you doing today, man? <laughs> uh, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, I don't know if I have earned the title of illustrious, but I appreciate it. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, man. It's been a while. Like, Yeah, you were on episode three. And this is episode eighty-one. So, and and I, and I was talking to you off pod. Like I, I was remiss that I haven't had you on in two years. Last episode you were on was episode forty-one. So, you know, you show up like every forty episodes or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm one of those that you know you, you don't want to have me on each and every one because then it just it, it just takes away the appeal. Yeah, I know you're a treat. Uh, we got we can't spoil our listeners with that. Uh, but yeah, man, it's been a while. I'm very interested to hear how things have been these past two years because like we're we still talk and stuff like that. Uh, but it there was some radio silence on your end uh, for a while there because we were in a group chat and then. You, we weren't in a group chat together, and now we're kind of back in a group chat. So, so yeah, man, without any uh, further ado, uh, how have you been these past two years, bro? How's it been? Where I, I know you've moved around a lot, huh? Yeah, I've been just kind of uh, kind of everywhere since uh, moving from uh, Baton Rouge um, and going through my whole uh, you know divorce and things like that. Uh, I've just been... Just kind of bouncing around, just trying to feel my way back around life and, I guess, be a bachelor again. So, yeah. <laughs> fun that is. Yeah, I think you made it as far west as Oregon, right? Yeah, yeah I went uh, all the way up to Oregon and stayed up there for uh, a solid year or so. What was, was that the, I guess that's, as, is that as far west you've ever lived? I lived in Oakland, California at one point, but I was way younger. I was only like, you know, like five or so. So it wasn't like I actually lived there in my adult life, but I've been there. So what, uh, if I may ask, like, what were the big changes between living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and, you know, Portland, Oregon? What was the things that stuck out to you? Um, a huge change is really like the culture the way people um carry themselves treat each other out there is is way different um there isn't a lot of black people out there for one so yeah like having that kind of sense and feel of being the odd person out amongst a large group is like 10 times worse there because you just really don't see anyone of color well at least where i was uh I was in Newburgh, which is like forty-five minutes from Portland. Okay, was it uh 
Was it difficult getting used to the... I mean, you just said you lived in the West Coast for a little bit when you were a kid, but I don't know if I could ever live that far away from Louisiana because I have fam... Like, most of my family is in Louisiana. And, much less important, the time zones. Like, I don't know if I could ever get used to that. I mean, I guess you eventually do, but, like, I feel like that's a huge adjustment, just the time zones alone, huh? Yeah, the time zone thing, that that was pretty... It was cool, uh... In my simple effect of like till five o'clock there, of course it's like seven in you know central time or whatever. Yeah. But like the sun would be literally already up, like bright at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like I could never understand how anyone at that point could like sleep through that because it's just it's just so prevalent yeah well yeah man that's wild uh did you also go back to dallas for a little bit i think i heard yeah i uh ended up in dallas for a while um i just actually got back from dallas uh maybe a week or so ago yeah and you you told me you're back in baton rouge and i'm happy to hear that hopefully all, everything's going good man i know you've it's been an interesting two years for you but what do you think what do you think you've learned the most these past two years like i mean you said becoming a bachelor again but what else would you say these past few years have taught you oh uh, <laughs> um it's taught me kind of i would say on the lines of like what I guess living in this this modern century we're in at this point, yeah, it's kind of really just hit more on like how we are as a society. Like with the pandemic stuff going on, you would think that it would kind of bring people a little closer to together, and that's that's far from it. Yeah, like I think it's actually brought out even the, a lot more of the worst of people at this point. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on to that. Uh, let's talk about it. I mean, that seems to be the main thing to talk about. Like, I got to be honest with you, Tommy. I was, I mean, I started the pot up again a few months ago, like I think in May. And I got to be honest, man, it was a struggle because like, you know, you've been on, you've listened to po- episodes. Like, I like to keep things fun. And, you know, we do talk about some serious things on here, but also like, I like to be majority fun and i gotta be honest with you man none of this has been very fun like there's some bright spots like oh that's cool but like mostly it has just been a downer of a spring and summer and probably gonna be a downer into the fall and winter what has been your experience so far with all of this like have you been has it affected your job your employment you know anyone you know or love anything you care to share with us so Place. Yeah. I was working there and once that popped off, you know, everybody got the initial scare of like, you know, what is this and you know, how daily is it. So they shut down a bunch of things and I ended up uh, picking up an old job of mine which is uh doing security. Mm-hmm. How is it I mean, I know Louisiana got hit pretty hard. Uh I don't know how long you've been back in Baton Rouge, but what is it what was it kinda of been like so far in Baton Rouge? Like I, I was in town around 4th of July, and it seemed... I mean, I was only in town for a few days, so I didn't really get to experience a lot of it, but uh, is it... Are do you, are people wearing masks? Do you think people are taking the right precautions, or do you think there's been a, a disregard of a lot of those safety precautions, like, just in your general sense? Um, well, at least in Baton Rouge, it seems like people out here are taking it a little bit more serious than 
what I experienced in uh, Texas and like the Dallas area yeah. that I was in. In Dallas, they just kind of they kind of like they 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 acknowledged it, but then they quickly just kind of ran past it, and like no one seemed to really. It's how can how can I put this? Uh, it's 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 still just a really mixed pot of like reactions, like. Yeah. Even even with myself, I can say that I've uh, read, you know, some of the articles and stuff about it. I've gotten uh, notifications from like different uh, sources that you know spoke on how deadly COVID may or may not be, and certain things that they said, like uh, as far as like immunities. Like, did you see the article uh, they had it was talking about like your certain blood type uh, affects your percentage of you know, immunity. I think I saw that floating around out there. I didn't I didn't read it because I was like, I'm not trying to muddy the water here. I'm just just stay home. Just take every precaution. Like it it doesn't matter, you know, like at least to me, it doesn't matter who's more likely or less likely, like ages or, you know, anything or sexes or genders or anything. it doesn't matter. Just everybody needs to do you know, they're apart and just stay home as much as possible. Wear a mask if you're going to go out in public, you know, it, stay six feet from each other if you can. I mean, a lot of like I've been to the grocery store several times throughout all of this. And that's really the only spot that I'm in like a closed, confined space where I am around people and, you know, I can't stay six feet away from people all the time. But yeah, man, it's been wild out here in Austin, man. We were doing really well. We were doing really well. And then things started opening up again and then shit went to hell over here. And it's a bummer. It's it's really tough, man, with everything that's going on. Texas is getting fucked royally. Like we were, like a lot of people in Texas weren't taking it seriously. Hell, true. Hell, a lot of people around the country haven't. But it's really disconcerting, yeah. man. Because like even even yesterday, Saturday, I was out at the park in Austin, and you know it is a public space, right? It is a public space, and you can stay six, more than six feet away from each other, and it's not a you know there's fresh air. You're not in a contained environment, but, like, I was kind of disappointed. I'm not trying to be, like, the Gestapo here, but, like, you know, I was disappointed on, on how few people were wearing masks. Like, I was wearing a mask walking around, even though it was fresh air and I was out in wide open space. But, like, I just was kind of disappointed the lack of, the like, there were, don't get me wrong, there were people wearing masks. There were. But it was disappointing that it was not, by my estimation, the majority. Like, I feel like it could have been... I feel like I was like, man, people are just not – I don't know what it is, man. Maybe you have an idea, but I don't even know if it's hubris at this point or, or arrogance. I just think people I, – I, I general, I've generally just accepted that people find masks uncomfortable for any amount of time, not even an extended amount of time. I think people are just over it. They just don't want to do any of it because they don't want to be inconvenienced or – they just don't give a fuck. Basically, the, the the long and short of it is people don't give a fuck, and that's that's kind of disappointing, and it's very frustrating. What do you what do you think? I mean, uh, so on the the aspect of like why people may or may not be wearing a mask, I kind of get it in the sense of why some may not, because for certain people in this world. You know, their living situations and what they have to do in their day-to-day life, mm-hmm. 
doesn't necessarily change because of COVID. Like there's some of us that still have to get up and go outside into, you know, the air, like the air is contaminated. That's basically what, you know, we're told from COVID that, Hey, there's something in the air. So for some of us who literally have to still get up and go outside and go to work and be around people. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those that, I mean, even if you have your mask on, there's still a chance of you, you know, potentially getting it because you are in that environment where you have to come in contact. So it does kind of, you know, feel redundant after a while to wear something that isn't necessarily going to protect you in a sense. Well, it, 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 it definitely, it definitely increases or definitely lowers your chances. Like if two people are wearing a mask and they're staying six feet away from each other, and even in a even in like wide open spaces, like yeah, it's just it, it. You're right. There is always a chance you could catch it. You could touch a surface. Yeah. You could do something. There, there is a way, but it's not like it's it's pretty much you know as long as you keep your. I hate this word, but like keep your like facial orifices closed. You know, like as long as you keep those restricted, like your chances are so diminished that you'll catch it. And I just. I just think people don't give a fuck. Like, I just think that there are so many people, and I think the reason why the virus is still ravaging this country, ravage might be a hard word, but still incredibly affecting this country is the fact that, I mean, we just had, like, 5 million cases. Like, the tally's up to, like, 5 million cases. And, like, you know, it's just, like, we have, like, over 150,000 dead. I think it's literally people are just, like, don't want to be inconvenienced. They don't want to think about more than themselves. But, granted, I understand people who have a job to do and stuff like that. And I think that they're doing their best, but I'm not even talking about the people who have a job to do. I'm talking about the people that have no real reason to be outside or doing oh. things without a mask. They're just doing it because they don't well, want to be stuck at home. It's just like, come well, on. Yeah. Man. Cause I mean, this is also America where, you know, people will literally say, well, it's my God given right to do whatever. So until that's, you know, necessarily, you know, uh, excuse a car that someone can't pull. Yeah. We're going to continue to have that because, yeah, I can, you know, just use that card. And it's not, you, one of the things I had to, to, well, me personally, from my experiences, do in this whole scenario with the pandemic and it just, everything is to constantly take myself out of my shoes and go, okay, well, what, reason could this other person have to make the decisions that they're making in this time Mm -hmm. outside of my own Mm -hmm. and that's what i can't say i i I see everyone else doing but that's what i would have hoped it came from you know this situation that we're in as a collective that you know you the the reason that you're wearing your mask you know, it's simply because, yeah, you know, you may, you know, you value protecting yourself from catching whatever. Even if, even if you know you don't have it and know that your chances of getting it or transmitting are low, mm-hmm. you still aware outside of this other person who is just like, you know, it is what it is. You know, they fear something else because, I mean, with when I hear the the coronavirus and like how it's affecting people, that makes me personally think back to like older times, like when they had the Spanish flu and, you know, other severe viruses that were literally, you know, wiping people out, you know, causing serious symptoms and stuff. They still, you know, that makes me think like, what was the procedures back then with the less 
vast amount of technology that they had, you know, yeah. were they still stopping schools? Were they still, you know, closing up the economy and stuff like that? And I can't help but kind of look at it and be like, well, did they? We don't, do we have any documentation that says, you know, this is what they did? <laughs> yeah. It's, I just think that it's a good point that you bring up them because I don't really know enough about what they did a hundred years ago for the Spanish flu that killed like 18 million people throughout like its run and the population was like – the global population was half of what it was back then or maybe even less. So that is a greater proportionality of the population but I just I, – I, I'm very disappointed like it's human nature. Humans are selfish. Humans are inherently self-serving and self-centered, and you know that's just how it is. That's just the way things are. I would just like to appeal to people that you know, like you know, you. I don't know if you remember being like a little kid in class. Like the teacher would make everybody be quiet, and until everybody was quiet, there was no going to do anything. And it's just like it just feels like there are these kids in the class that won't shut up. And I'm just like, guys, don't you realize? As soon as we, as soon as we all get on the same page here, then we can move forward. I think that like we're being hamstrung by like the worst people in our society as far as just like, dog, you're holding us all back. You're holding, you're mad that like shit has stopped and shit is like really bad right now. But unless you decide to play along to get along, we're going to be stuck like this for a while until we get a vaccine, which Lord knows when that'll come probably early next year or uh, spring of next year. So who the fuck knows, man? It's just, it's just disappointing, man. It's just like, that's the other thing. It's like people are dying and that's sad. That's very sad. But also just the fact that like, not that many people needed to die and suffer this disease, like this virus and stuff. If people had just fucking done what they were told and done what the right thing was, the smart thing to do. Well, that, that brings in the issue because we say, you know, do what you're told and, and, you know, just kind of follow along. But then we also have the same information. Like, you know, some of us are getting the same information that we're getting told to do certain things, but there's still document, you know, notation and evidence that, you know, some of those things aren't working or some of the cures, quote unquote, that they're, you know, saying, hey, this is, you know, this is the cure for it, aren't necessarily cured. So it's like, yeah. I feel simply this was just handled terribly from the jump that, like, yeah. if, if this was literally as, you know, a destructive of a virus, a pandemic as you're making it, then every state in this country should have followed suit immediately and not this, oh, well, we're going to do it, or we might not do it, or we're, we're testing some stuff, like, we're going to figure it out over here, because that did, all it did was create what we have now, which is that we have this uncohesive country yeah. of just open and closed places where... I mean, it's never going to, it's not going to be contained. Yeah. If, if it's really spreading that rampant, it's not going to be contained. It's just rotating. That's, that's just yeah. reality. Yeah, it's just rotating regions and it's affecting this part of the country. And then as soon as we, it's, it's, that's the thing, man. Like, I, I hate to sound, I, I don't really take pleasure in bashing uh, leadership in this country, although it is, they make it very easy to. It, the fact that there was like a federal – the federal response to this, like the fact that there was no federal mandate of wearing masks, like the fact that you know they didn't want to tell states to close and states were like, oh, we don't want to close. It's just like, but guys, we all – like that's the thing, man. We just all needed to get on the same page with all this shit and it it's just 
Oh, dude, it's it's just I had a I had a rough week, man. I'll be honest with you. Like, uh, the the industry I'm in is not doing so hot, and we I, I work in the accounting department, and I've I've seen some numbers of just like sales and revenue, and it's it's pretty. It's pretty, it's pretty shitty. And also like I tried to get, uh, you know, I've scaled back on hours. So I was thinking about getting a side gig, like a little, you know, a little retail job on the side. And, uh, because I have a chronic illness, my doctor said that's probably not a good idea. So I can't, can't really even make up the money on a, on a, on a side gig because there's a chance that since I'm predisposed to, you know, I take medicine, uh, that compromises my immunity. So that's, I have, I'm at a disadvantage. So it's, that was kind of a rough week, but you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer right now or throw a pity party. It's just it was just a very somber week amongst no, no. amongst uh, like a very extended somber period of time. Like it's just it's just been rough, man. You know, and I I never want you or anybody that I associate myself with or call friends or anyone that I'm around to feel that you can't be a quote Debbie Downer or have a, a yeah. moment of in a sense I'm not gonna say weakness but a, a moment of being human that sometimes the world sucks <laughs> and it's nothing you can do about it or sometimes you're in situations that you know just suck like yeah. I don't inherently think anybody goes out of their way to make their life difficult I just can't grasp that as a concept that you know someone is born and just goes you know what i'm gonna just crap all of my life i i honestly believe that it's literally based on what we all go through you yeah. know through our upraising yeah. and because of that with how this society that we live in is so based on you know winners winners and losers and stuff like that it's like we forget that at the end we're all still human that we all need a moment to be like man, this sucks. We all need a moment to cry, to be like, hey, something, you know, whatever is going on isn't going our way and have it acknowledged without being criticized about it. Yeah. Because all it does is it turns into what we, we all kind of instinctively do. We bottle it up inside and then when it comes out in a violent or sometimes, you know, nastier way, yeah, we... We are, you know, we often look to our friends and other people as like, oh, why did this happen and things of that nature? And it's because, hey, we we don't take the time to be compassionate enough to each other when we need to. Like, there's tons of people right now that, you know, like you said, some of them are just fucking off and, you know, making things worse just because, but there are also some who are unemployed and stuff through means that aren't their own and going yeah. through an even rougher time because of what, you know, with everything's going on. You know, speaking of personal experience, I just so happened to have been able to keep a job up until, you know, recently with me moving back to Baton Rouge, um, doing this whole pandemic and stuff. Yeah. But even though I had a job and stuff, I still didn't, a benefit from the stimulus checks and things like that because of the situation that I ended up being in. You know, I didn't, I wasn't able to file my taxes or literally, you know, do anything other than just work and live when this all popped off. Yeah. So I can only imagine some of the people who, you know, wasn't working when this all popped off or, you know, their only literal source of income 
has been the stimulus check or the unemployment that they have to live on. I, I can't even imagine, man. I know people in the service industry, um, people I really care about, and, you know, in the hospitality industry, and it's just like everybody, like, it's, like, I, I honestly thought, like, we would be back to, maybe maybe not back to normal by this time. Like, I mean, you think about it, this popped off in March, so I was like, oh, you know, three months, four months, you know, July-ish, maybe even August, you know, we'll bounce back, and it's like, it went the exact opposite direction. Like I can't imagine folks who have been weathering the storm for three or four months, and they they're probably looking at another five to six months of this. Like it's not it's not even going to get any better anytime soon. Like there's it's it's just bad. Like we have the fall coming, and there's we have the regular flu season coming, and it's just like man. It's one of those Man, bad. this episode has been a barrel of laughs so far, huh, Tommy? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, you, we, at this point, you can only laugh to stop from crying. Yeah, that's, for real. That's literally what 2020 is at this point. Yeah, man. I think we found the episode title, Sometimes the World Sucks. I think that's what I'm going to call this episode. Uh, I'm, well, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm yeah, man. Let's, uh, let's move to something a little bit lighter. Uh, cool. So... I mean, before we get into the, the main topic, the topic you wanted to discuss and we touched upon a little earlier, let's talk about the NFL for a second, man. We got like we could talk about it for a few minutes. Cool. You're still a Cowboys fan, you know. What did you think about not, the whole not, oh. Nah, oh. Nah. oh no. Major breaking news here. Tommy's no longer a Cowboys fan. Yeah, I'm no longer I can't really say I I'm a fan of any football team at this point. I still love the sport because, yeah. you know, it's where I started mm-hmm. being an athlete or whatever from, period. Mm-hmm. But with just just me being conscious on, you know, the world and how things are played out, I've kind of strayed away from the NFL and this politics and stuff yeah. because of how it's handled the whole you know, Black Lives Matter thing from the jump mm-hmm. with the whole kneeling thing and everything else. And then uh, with the Cowboys in particular, Jerry Jones, how he's uh, handled certain things as of late has really made me step away from them as a whole. Yeah. You know. Well, um, well let me ask you this. Do you, uh, I've talked about this with a few of my guests so far this year. If you had to put the, the odds, you know, a percentage chance of like us having a, a full NFL season coming in the fall, what do you think? Would you give it even a 25% chance? Uh, I, I feel like there's going to be at least a 25% chance mm-hmm. just on the strength that it's, it's a, it's, it boils down to money. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a game of money. Um, they got basketball that, you know, they still are able to get some games in, make daily profit, and I'm sure there's other sports that are going to try to create their some type of weird bubble to yeah. keep it going. So there is definitely a chance that we may have football. I don't know exactly how they would, you know, fluctuate that yeah. with it being an outdoor sport, but they're going to definitely try. I, I will say that. Yeah. They're going to try. Yeah, I think that look, man, I think we'll get to like four or five games through the season and then they'll have to call it off. Like it's just done. Like I just like I, I totally agree with you. They're gonna try. Like there's billions of dollars. Like it, it you got like I mean, if you got billions of dollars on the line, like 
you you gotta try. Like, you gotta at least do everything you can to the very last minute to try. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm really trying to get excited for the Saints this year. I'm really thinking this could. I'm kind of talking myself into this maybe being our year. Like this is probably going to be the last season Drew plays, and we'll talk about Drew in a little bit. But uh, you know, I I just I really really want to believe that we're going to be able to play but i i just don't i just don't see especially with the fall coming it's going to get cold and there's not going to be a bubble there's just going to be teams traveling all over the country and there's what like a hundred people on both on both sidelines like give or take like 75 80 to 100 people and there's like you know there's 32 teams yeah, that's a that's, lot of people, man. That's a lot just of like people. the players, and then yeah. you got the training staff, and the, the, the coaches, yeah, staff, helpers, and yeah. I just don't see how you can keep it uh, safe. Like, I just don't know how you can keep it safe. So I'm not even. I don't even know, man. And college football too. Like, I don't know if you give a shit about LSU, uh, but like, I just don't. Like they they recently switched to an all conference scheduled, you know, to avoid traveling across the country. So like. We're all playing like I think most of the major Power Five conferences are playing con- uh, conference schedules, so like you know they're staying in the same region. Uh, but I just don't. Again, it's a numbers game. Like it's just the number of people. Like your chances of catastrophe exponentially increase with the number of people you have in a given activity during this thing. So it's just, it's I just don't I just don't see how they're gonna do it. And you got to think, man, all that even if they try, all the money. If they try and fail, all the money that they're going to lose out, oh boy. Like, you got to think about all the local economies that rely on major, like, college football and NFL, you know, just like, I mean, fuck, we worked at the same grocery store in a college town, and we, like, I mean, we saw... Game day sales. Yeah, game day sales and stuff like that, man. Like, I just think about poor Baton Rouge, like, if, if LSU doesn't, if, like, game day weekends are a big weekend for that, those town... The, uh, that town and other towns like it. I just don't. I just don't know what's gonna happen. They just like the economy is gonna even find a way to get somehow worse. Like fuck, dude. And then that's that's really what it boils down to because of how it is. Like there, there, there was never. Well, I'm not gonna say never, but from what it seems like, there there isn't a contingency plan in for a pandemic as to how they're going to govern. Yeah, <laughs> you know certain businesses or at least the entertainment aspect of you know how these businesses uh, affect the economy yeah because like you said without the games you know there isn't that surplus and things of that nature which i mean again from a person that's been in the athletic world my one of my main things that i've always cared about is when it comes down to money is that money worth my health? Yeah. And, you know, you say, you talk about, you know, the college football and stuff, and it's like, well, now you have to take into consideration, okay, now these college athletes, are they being paid, nope. you know, which they're not. So now you're saying that they've got to go out there and put their bodies on the line for the sport and also with just breathing in the stuff. Yeah. You know, the contact of you know, bodily fluids and, you know, blood, you know, people get cut and stuff out there while we're, you know, playing. So, like, is that worth it? Yeah, and uh, we talked about how definitely the NFL is going to try, and it's just like, are you willing to risk people's lives? Like, I know football is a dangerous sport. It is a really dangerous sport. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I mean, it, it's I fucking talk to Alex Smith. Uh, you just got to think about like if I do not want this to happen. I am not hoping for this to happen. I'm quite contrary, like hoping this doesn't happen. But it is feasible to believe that if one of these. If these teams start to play, man, like someone's gonna die. Like someone is gonna die from this thing. And I just hope, I just, I really wonder if these athletic directors and team owners and just everyone involved, I'm like, are you gonna be, are you willing to roll the dice that like it may be your team or maybe one of your players? And are you prepared to deal with the, the liability and the, and the, and the backlash from like risking people's lives? Like in a given, like in sports, in at least in the NFL, like you, you can get hurt. You can get really hurt. Like you can fucking become paralyzed. But it's it's very unlikely you're going to die. But with this thing, there is a good chance. There's a good chance that someone's gonna die. And I just, I, I really wonder if they are prepared for that risk. I, I just don't know, man. I just don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I just. I, because that that same logic can be used with at this point any business that's yeah. still open. Yeah. That like you know your employee is coming to work with the chance of catching COVID and potentially dying from it, and it's like I'm very sure not every business has you know some type of healthcare set up to even support that. Yeah, so some liability like, insurance or some shit, man. Yeah, so it's just like again we. As a, a as a country, this was handled terribly, and, yes. and it's and it's just you know from a person being in the situation, speaking on because you know I'm not no president or politician, I'm none of that to even possibly comprehend what all goes into it. Yeah, but just from being on the you know receiving end of hey, you know there was a pandemic, you know a virus thing that that broke out, and you guys didn't shut down anything until after you know until afterwards it's like can't help but think that we need some type of better leadership if that's how we're going to respond to something yeah it's a mess it's just a mess uh i was hoping that would be uplifting but you know i guess it all there's really not much to be uplifting this year uh have you seen some of the like I, i i also recently kind of reattached myself to some of a little bit of social media i've kept my distance because my social media would never reflect like my real life events like Mm -hmm. i i only use social media just to laugh at stuff and like every now and then like i might take up a stance against something yeah but like my social media has has never probably should never be taken serious but while on there um I've seen people uh, discussing, uh, and I kind of uh, trailed off and forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it happens, <man. laughs> I hate those boys. It's all good, man. I, I get uh, it. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I like to, you know, social media is supposed to be fun, and like, you can take moments to get serious, but like, you can you can make a point of something. Like, you could try and make a point. Like, especially when you have social movements and things you're trying to bring awareness to or, or show solidarity, but like yeah. ultimately social media is supposed to be fun for me. Like, it, uh, so I, I totally get what you're, what you're going with. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, I'm, I know what I meant. It was uh, because uh, 
there was a post I seen where like someone like listed uh, like all the kind of tragic events that's happened since 2020, and they was talking about you know the burning of the the uh, the Amazon forest, and, yeah, you know all the animals, and then Kobe and just yeah, like they just listed, it and I was like, man, this year has been rough. Sorry, it's, like, it's been oof. it's been awful. Like I just think about this is kind of a tangent, but like. I don't know if you saw what happened in Beirut and, you know, with that explosion. Explosion, yeah. yeah. I just was like, God damn, these poor people. Like, they probably, like, I was just reading about how hospitals were already kind of swamped from the pandemic. And now they have to deal with, like, this gigantic explosion in their capital city. It's just, whoo-wee. But let's let's move on to what we we came here really to talk about. You texted me a while ago. uh, It was about a month ago because it was before my last episode. You wanted to come back on to talk about something in particular. And that was, if I recall correctly, you said it was related to Black Lives Matter. So I'm very curious to hear what you you want to talk about. Uh, What did you, what what, what kind of conversation did you want to have about it? Uh, It's more so just a conversation like, you know, how did you, I guess feel about its presence as um, things are happening right now. Yeah. Just more so on netlines and just like, do you feel this effective and things of that nature? More so, you know, asking because you know I am, you know, black man myself. And Wait a minute, you're black? Whoa, time out. When did this happen? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, when when it comes to the the love of blackness and the black community, I'm kind of. I'm designated as a light skin. I, I like to I like to look at myself as you know a brown tone, but according to the you know classifications of black in our own community, that I, I I'm technically a, a light skin, and um, that kind of makes me on the um, not the not the <laughs> for lack of better terms the. Um, the softer side of things that's the yeah. perception in the black community that the, the light skins are the softer of the of the I really, shade i really hope anthony is not listening to this episode because he well, might feel him. a certain way ask him ask <laughs> him he'll watch he'll have he'll say some of some lines that in the black community if you're if you're on if you're the light skin they it's if there's this perception of you being i guess not weaker but like more sensitive mm. because um, the reality is a darker skin tone, you know, people criticize you, treat you different than the lighter shade. And that's because it's closer to the whole um, white complexion. Like that is a reality of living black that mm. your, you know, skin tone does kind of reflect certain aspects of how you're treated. The level of um, racism that you may experience yeah. That is an actual thing. Yeah, I, I've, I've, again, I'm, I, as a white person, like I, I'm, I think I have an understanding, but it's not necessarily. Uh, what am I trying to say here? It's, it's. I'm aware of that, but I don't think that since it doesn't necessarily pertain to me, that I just, I'm like, hey man, that's not, that's none of my business. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fucking even try to have an input into that conversation or that right. subject matter. So I'm just going to be like, I, I, I'm generally aware of that, but, but, oh. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. And then, I mean, also the, what I've also experienced because of the process that I've gone through, um, hair, the, 
a, a black person's hair mm-hmm. definitely plays into that as well. That's something I already knew, yeah. but now having now living it, it's one of the more humbling things that I've actually uh, have gone through. Even though it's been kind of rough, but it's humbling yeah. to have uh, in-depth experience of how different. Uh, your view based on something as trivial and simple as your hair. Yeah. So, you know, like now I have dreads and I can definitely tell you um, I've gotten profiled and stereotyped a lot quicker uh, since I've grown uh, grown my hair out into dreads than when I've had something as simple as like a fade or um, a taper. That's you, the, the little hairstyles you normally see, the with the waves and stuff like that. Yeah. Like that type of hairstyle, the more quote unquote professional look. Yeah. The more clean cut, the more, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, man, you get that kind of in being white as well, but not nearly I don't think it's taken as seriously. Like I know that, you know, especially with white men, like, you know, people, white men with longer hair, people tend to dismiss those being a little bit more, funky for lack of a better word so like but i think that that's changed a lot and i think but even i don't think it's held in such a regard that it's discriminatory i just think people have an opinion about it but they don't necessarily use it to discriminate as what i think you're trying to say in the uh in the black community so i think that that's we have a little bit of it but it's minuscule compared to what y'all probably deal with so yeah, in the black community, it's just, well, from how I look at it, I see a guy with dreads, and it's just a guy with dreads to yeah, me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I know at one point, I would not lie, growing up, I was, I'm not going to say taught, but I was around the environment that did facilitate the notion that, you know, black men with dreads was since viewed as a thug or, mm. you know, um, a bad person in the sense, like, you know, they got into bad situations and, now that, like I said, because I'm actually living it, it's like no, it's it's really you know it's really a racist thing. Like it is just a perception thing of what people look at you and for whatever reason get. Like they they go off of those uh, stereotypes that they might have seen on TV and things of that to where yeah, yeah you know they uh, people will literally call the police on you because they automatically think that you're a drug dealer just yeah. off of sight. Well, I think that's a good segue back into the Black Lives Matter right. conversation. I think that I think I talked about this earlier in the year with Ben, uh, my buddy Ben. Um, we talked about like we, we I, like we recorded an episode like the day after George Floyd died. Like we like or I don't know if it was the day after he died, but it was like the day after that video released. And it was just like, like even then we knew it was this was bad. Like this is this is horrific. Yeah, man, it's it's something. I, I I'm trying not to get discouraged that things are starting to taper off. Like the 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 fervor is slowly started to taper off. Like you don't see it as prominently in the media and social media as we did a few months ago, but. It's, it's, I don't know what it was. I still don't know to this day. I'm I'm sure people smarter than me will be able to articulate and probably point to why these, this, this movement, the Black Lives Matter movement had a resurgence during the pandemic. I don't really know why. I just, maybe it's just coincidental. Maybe it is, maybe there were, uh, there's a correlation there or something. Well, 
from from my perspective, the reason I feel or reason I feel that it had a resurgence, at least on my part, yeah, is mostly because I mean, well, if we put if we take everything and like lay it out on the table, yeah, there's a pandemic going on, yeah, and you still we still have black people in this world that are literally saying stop killing us yeah <laughs> to the police while there's a pandemic that means if if and this is something i had to articulate to someone just you know not trying to be um like you said a debbie downer or nothing like that like not trying to create this sob story but yeah. to put it in perspective while i was in dallas working and this is during, like I said, the, when the pandemic stuff first popped off and everything else and I'm working security. Yeah. I would wake up in the morning and go to work with the mindset of, okay, I'm stepping outside into contaminated air that the government and everyone else is telling me has a virus floating around that I can catch. So automatically leaving outside, I mean, going outside, my life is in danger. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then... Um, driving around, I know that even even if I have the most legal vehicle in the world, if I get pulled over, there's a you know chance. Not saying it's the highest chance or not, but based on current events, there's a chance that if I get pulled over, my life is in danger. Yeah. So now with me working security, I'm looking as if I might be a police officer. You know, I'm wearing a uniform. So now my life is in danger even more because. There's, you know, the police brutality, there's the kind of war on police officers and, you know, you add in the fact that now you have the police looking at you kind of weird because they don't know which side of you are. And then the black population is looking at you weird because they don't know which side you are, mm. in a sense. So it's like, for some of us in, you know, certain situations, like, it, it's scary just going outside yeah. because it's a literal acknowledgement that you don't know if t- today is your last day seriously yeah and it's like nothing that you know you have uh, control of yeah a lot of it is uh beyond our, anyone's control i would i would i would press that i don't think that there's i think that war on police while if if you feel that way that's that's you man but i don't think it's a war on police i think it's a insistence on accountability like i think that that's i think that that's gotten lost in the shuffle and i think it always gets lost in the shuffle when it comes to i mean when we experienced this in the past few years with you know mike brown trayvon martin etc etc all the victims i think that a lot of people like to frame it as a war on police but i really think that what the issue is we are insisting on accountability uh, in law enforcement and in leadership, because like I think that I mean I could go all I could go off on this, but I'm not going to because I've already been accused of being anti-cop and anti-law enforcement, and I'm just like I'm not I'm not against the law enforcement. I respect law enforcement, but I just don't necessarily. I just want accountability. I think that's what everybody wants is accountability, and right. being a cop, being in law enforcement is. A tough job. It is. It's probably one of the toughest there is. But I think that it's not tough. It's. It seems like – what am I trying to say? I feel like I'm going off the deep end here. But I think that law enforcement is tough, but it doesn't necessarily need to be this tough. And maybe we need to review how law enforcement 
you know, is managed in this con- country. And maybe we need to do a redistribution of resources. Like I know you saw the defund the police or abolish the police. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with abolish the police, but I think defund the police is a legitimate issue. Like I think that you have some law enforcement budgets and law enforcement resources that may be over bloated and may need to be redistributed. And I mean, there's a lot of things in this country when it comes to money that needs to be redistributed. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. But I just think that I think all of this that we experienced, you know, first off, let's get those cops that killed Breonna Taylor arrested. Let's let's get that out the way. Let's 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 start there. Many others before her that yeah. got yeah. arrested and things of that nature. I, I guess let me let me frame when I when I when I personally say the war on police, mm-hmm. I kind of same sense as like when people say the war on drugs, it's like I'm not advocating that like there's a literal war yeah. on police, but the fact is that like now the fire is on the ass because yeah. it should have already been on the ass for the way that they've been doing things. Yeah. Like yeah, the reality fair. of the world that I perceive and it's again I can only speak on my perception of the things that I've seen and been part of. Yeah. Because I've done, you know, security and things of that nature. I've kind of, you know, I kind of sit on that law enforcement line in a sense. Like, I understand the need for law enforcement and things like that. Mm-hmm. However, I also understand that, you know, assholes will be assholes and some people do abuse their authority severely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, the war on police is like you just said, you know, it's really more so about accountability that. Now there, I mean, there should have always been a stricter guideline to who can become a police officer and stuff. Just like they tried to make so many strict guidelines on drug use and stuff. When we are literally a you know country that prescribes all types of drugs for the simplest of things for you know some individuals. Like oh, I get you know. headache every day because i for whatever reason don't eat it's like oh we're here here's some oxycodone for you yeah it's it's tough and again i'm not law enforcement i have no i I know people in law enforcement i have family in law enforcement so i i have some semblance of some idea of the things they experience and yeah i need to do better about educating myself and i should probably reach out more and talk to those people i know to get a better picture but it's tough because like it's a tough conversation to have about law enforcement because you don't want to sound ungrateful and you don't want to sound disrespectful. No, but that's that's the same argument with like the army and stuff. Like yeah. the reality is we as a country need to have a lot of hard, uncomfortable ass conversations that nobody wants to do, yet everybody wants to say how, you know, each person as an adult should live their life when we as an adult don't take the necessary steps to you know ratify some things that we know are wrong yeah like there there would never be a part a moment in time that i feel that any person that's been to the army any veteran should be homeless at any moment in time there, there should never be a thing that should not be a thing yeah that you can go and fight for a country get shot get blown up whatever and then come back to the place that you fought for and struggle yeah same as there shouldn't be a criteria 
as to who can or cannot join that military. When I was in Oregon, I did try to uh, sign up for the Marines, and I got denied because of uh, certain tattoo placements. And I was like, well, at one point in time, will a bullet stop and ask me if I have tattoos in these certain areas before it hits me? Or at what point in time did this terrorist, is he going to, you know, try to identify whether or not I have uh, certain tattoos before he shoots me? That's wild, man. Like, I, I, I don't see that ever being a thing, and yet I can be denied because of those things. And that is an argument that, you know, kind of boils over into employment and the whole systematic racism, things like that, because at the end of the day, we talk about everyone needs a job, everybody needs to be doing something, yet we don't take care of the people who are actually doing something. Yeah. So as a now 28-year-old black man, that knows about, you know, all the black men that come before me that have fought in the army and now I'll look at them on the side of the road and things of that nature. Like, do you think that makes me want to go and fight for this country? Yeah. No. Like, you know, even though I, I have multiple uncles were in the military, my dad was in the army, my, I have uncles that's in Marines, Air Force, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was raised in a very disciplined type of um, environment to the point where I respect, you know, any and all uh, military personnel. However, I hate the fact that with what they bring or what they get, the level of, um, I want to say, like manipulation and stuff that goes into it to where, you know, once once you're in, you can't leave without this or that or you get a, uh, you get the discharge and this and that and it's like well if i stay i could possibly die and then if i get out there's no guarantee that i'm going to live a remotely decent life because of you know circumstances if i'm black then it it might be that issue of you know let's not care about the black guy or i mean i lost an arm i got ptsd i got all these things that come from the military yeah. That when you get back into a regular civilian life, it, it it causes conflict. And with me being that child that's like sitting in the middle of military raised and civilian raised, I see both. And like it's it's crazy for me when I talk to certain people because they don't necessarily understand that I have that perception yeah. of being able to see what excuse me, my own family members that have been to the army and how they act and the things that I was raised and taught by them versus, you know, regular society. Yeah. So it's like, it, it, it puts me in that, that weird, not weird uh, space, but it puts me in that, that position where I have to look at things in a very objective manner because I understand both sides to at least a basic degree. I'm not going to say I'm like no professional whiz or anything like that when it comes to law enforcement and yeah. other things like that. It's just I sit in a you know position in life that puts me in the middle when it comes to who I, uh, what's the word, uh, empathize or sympathize with. Yeah. I hear you, man. It's very tricky, and I think you're absolutely right. There are a new, There's numerous uncomfortable conversations we need to have in this country that we are very reluctant to engage in and you know i don't feel like i'm in a position necessarily to 
Like I, I, I have my, you know, we talked about rights earlier the, the, the day with the COVID pandemic, but like I have the right to express myself and comment on certain situations, but it's, I don't really know if it's appropriate all the time for me to necessarily comment because it's not necessarily my place because I, I don't have enough education or I don't have enough experience to really understand what's going on. But I just, I think that at a base level, things need to change. And I think that that's really what Black Lives Matter is about and a lot of social justice movements in this country. And I think that in tying it back to COVID, man, like that's another thing. Like I think that this is this is this year's taught us a lot that like a lot of shit is fucked up in this country and it needs to change because people are dying and it's really, really sad and we it's unfortunate and not necessarily all the people that died need to die. Like that I think that's what I peeled away from both situations. So let me let me ask you something on the the aspect of um, the concept of the Black Lives Matter and things of that nature. Okay. You said that you have opinions about certain things, but oftentimes you don't feel as if you should, in a sense, speak on them. Okay. Because you may not have um, the full knowledge or things of that nature. Okay. So my, what popped up in my head when you said that was, well, in this country... Aren't we not entitled to the whole freedom of speech thing? We like are. Everyone's, so everyone's entitled to be able to say whatever and speak on certain things if they feel that it's good, bad, or the opposite. Yeah. So then for a person like me that goes, well, you of all people should feel like you should be able to speak on anything simply for the fact that, one, you're white. Now, I'm not saying that to be racist or anything like that, but I go, okay, well, yeah, when you still look at a lot of the laws and stuff in place, like, you know, your your vote or whatever is still considered and looked at as a whole vote and stuff like that. Like you're you're the white man. Okay. So when you when I look at like the, the message that Black Lives and Black Lives Matter and stuff is trying to send, it's like, yeah, we still have all these opinions and stuff that we're voicing on these things that we've been saying. Like these are issues that we've been talking about that we've been asking not in the sense yeah asking to be changed and it's like now we're at this point where we're no longer asking we're demanding and we're in a sense fighting back and now there's an issue okay and it's like <laughs> it was like it, it kind of for me confuses me how anyone can't necessarily understand what black lives matter is trying to convey with that notion, like when you just boil it down to the rights of, you know, a freedom of speech, a freedom of, you know, speaking out on what's right and wrong of certain things. Like, like you say, you personally haven't done much in a law enforcement type of a job setting, but I'm, I will have to ask you when you saw the George Floyd video for those like eight minutes, nine minutes of him just kneeling on the dude. Did you not feel that that was excessive? Like, oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again and uh, continuously. Yeah, that was excessive. But I just don't feel like it's – like I, I definitely agree that I do have a right to speak up. And I definitely think that, yes, I, I definitely agree with Black Lives Matter. I, do, I agree with that movement. I think that what happened to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and several others is egregious and flagrantly criminal. And it's just it's just wrong. But I I don't like to necessarily inject my opinion or commentary into it because as a white person, neither not in law enforcement and is not a black person, like it's like I can support, I can show solidarity and I can bring awareness, but I don't think it's necessarily my place to comment. And yeah, I think that it's wrong. I absolutely but think that's it's wrong. the thing. It, that's, but that's the thing. 
you it is your place because that's what we lack. Well, I'm going to say that's what I feel we lack in this world right now. We don't all have that stick-together mindset that we say we're supposed to have in this country. That we, we're supposed to have this, it's the U.S. and screw everybody else mentality, but we're so divided amongst each other that that's not the case. Like, I, I put it in an in a, in a example of, like, if you saw a woman being mugged or robbed, you would want either yourself or someone around to intervene, like say something, right? Do something to stop this. Yeah, absolutely. That's literally what every black person has constantly been saying since, I'm not going to say since, you know, 400 years ago, but like, well, probably since 400 years ago, but since black people period, like you see what's going on. So we need you guys actually step up and start speaking on it and doing stuff about it because the fact of the matter is when you look at, you know, the systematic racism and things of that nature, most black people aren't in situations that we can actually fight or do anything in the legal aspects to protect ourselves when it comes to just regular, you know, day-to-day things. Like, you see the black celebrities that have the money to get into legal battles and sue this person and sue that. But what about the George Floyds of people, you know, that they aren't, you know, celebs or whatever and they have to go through these things and they're we're looking to our neighbors our you know our fellow american as hey you see this cop beating my ass for no reason we need you as another fellow white man to speak up and you know in a sense give validation which it should there shouldn't need a second validation of one human saying not to do this to another but this is America, so we need, as black people, some of the white people, just like we need some of the other races. Like, we need y'all to, you know, unite. But to be like, yeah, we shouldn't be doing this to them. There needs to be a combine of the other races to literally just go, hey, this black person is worth exactly the same amount from head to toe as this guy in every stature. Now, what he does with what they do individually with their lives is them. But when it comes down to basic rights of, hey, if the shooters and stuff, if this serial killer can get handcuffed without being beat, shot, and killed and walked out of a church, school, or whatever, then a black man doing the exact same damn thing should be able to get the same type of treatment. And if that's not the case, then there is no equality and there is, in a sense, no peace. Because we've had too many videos and documentation of this throughout the history at this point. Like, there is literally no excuse for it. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I, I think that in my own assessment, I think that I have shown solidarity. I think I have done what I can to show support. And I think that one of the one of the silver linings in all this is when you do look at these Black Lives Matter protests and crowds, and it seems there is a diversification of and representation of representation in the groups. So I just, I, I think that I agree with you that yes, we all need to be united on this because there is a right and wrong in this situation. And I just don't want, 
I want black voices elevated, and I want the black community to spearhead the movement. I don't think that – I think white people, we need to be supportive, but we need to also take a back seat to necessarily steer the movement. We just need to be supportive and not necessarily spearheading this. We need to take a back seat but also be supportive is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. We definitely spearhead and I Personally, I would say one of the things that I feel is kind of hurting the black spearhead of this narrative is that, unfortunately, in some areas, we we are together fully, that we still have the whole, not, I'm not going to say black on black uh, crime, because that is just, that that is dumb. It's just crime. It's just yeah, same definitely, color definitely. color crime across the board. Black yeah. on black crime is literally the dumbest thing ever, but... I'm more so speaking on how we fight amongst each other. Like, we're all black, yet just like, you know, with the rest of the world, people still have issues with someone's sexual preference. Like, all of that should not matter in the grand scheme of living a life. Your life is as valuable as the next. It should not matter if you like to mess with men, women, dogs, mooses, what. Ever that's your spare time, have fun. Yeah. But in the grand scheme, we all should be united to say, "Hey, no one deserves to be kneeled on for eight, nine minutes. No one deserves to be killed before they've had a chance to get to court or whatever." Like, it's is that just plain and simple? Yeah, and I think that's a good note to go out on. Uh, because we could probably talk about this for another four hours. So it's just like we – I think that that's a good – yeah, I think that's a good note to go out on. If you're comfortable with it, do you, are you ready to move on to the questions? Yeah, definitely. All right. Okay. Yeah, so these are the questions I ask each guest. Thank you again for being on, Tommy. I know you were you, – you wanted to be on and you requested to be on, and I'm glad to have you on because I think that, you know, we well, – I think we just had a great conversation about things. So uh, – yeah, so let's get started. Okay, so first question. Uh, when did you get your first cell phone and what kind was it? My first cell phone that was, it was kind of like, that I can remember that was given to me. Yeah. I might have been in like maybe the ninth grade, just like going to high school, and it was the Nokia, uh, like, brick. I don't, yeah. I don't know exactly what the... Uh, the model number or anything <laughs> the like that? The model number, but yeah. it was a brick. It was literally, it had a snake and I think <laughs> Tetris on it. And I was in the ninth grade, so this was made, what, 2006-ish. Yeah, I, I, so. I've had a few people on, and I've asked that question. You would, I don't know if you'd be surprised, but a lot of people have said the Nokia brick. That little brick oh, was like their first. That thing, I was so embarrassed by having it i never wanted to take it out to like try to text but i got good enough to where i like i memorized the button yeah yeah, to yeah. Where i was able to text in my pocket while yeah. looking yeah definitely uh yeah I, I never got that proficient with it but yeah okay yeah that, that tracks all right let's move on to the next question what is one reality tv show or game show you would do the best on Probably like uh, most extreme elimination or something like that, like wiped out. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. involves like an obstacle course. Yeah, I see. I don't know if I could do. I would definitely go game show because I'm more. 
uh, cerebral than physical. Like, I'm definitely, I am not the most athletic. I would get destroyed immediately on, like, an obstacle course. So I think I would go more along the lines of, like, like, uh, like Family Feud or Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or, you know, one of those. I wouldn't mind either. Family yeah. Feud would be, would be pretty fun. Yeah, man, definitely. Okay. What is your favorite book? Um, there's my favorite book is called uh, Akron by Sherilyn Kenyon. Okay. That's a book that I've read a long time ago. It's still my favorite. It's like maybe a five, six hundred page book, kind of like as thick as one of those Harry Potter books. Jeez, that is that is massive. And it's um, it's about like one of her main characters that like I just I really resonated with. And like the story that was told about him, and I've kind of kept that one close to me, um, at least in spirit. I don't actually have a book anymore. I gave it to somebody, but I, I definitely know I can pick that book up and read it over and over again. Okay. All right. Yeah, mine. Uh, still the Great Gatsby. I know I've said that a few times on the episodes, but yeah, Great Gatsby, definitely favorite book. Um, Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. It's it's really short too. It's like a hundred and something, maybe two hundred pages. Really easy to read. Uh, okay, what is your uh, favorite pair of shoes? Either you own currently or you have owned in the past. Uh, my favorite pair of shoes probably were these. Um, I had these black and white Nike. Um, they were just like some not cheap running shoes but it was just like uh, yeah. foam uh kind of like a foam bottom yeah and like memory soul type of uh nikes i had and yeah. I, I kept these for maybe a year or two and i used to wear them uh going to the uh gym to work out and do like kickboxing classes and stuff yeah i wore them so much to where you know like the toe part was just <laughs> indefinitely like just scrunched up yeah that's uh that's great uh yeah my my favorite pair of shoes are nikes too uh air force ones i think they're the best but i do have a couple of i have a couple of pair of nike running shoes on. air force ones yeah definitely all right all yeah. white or black no nah, man they're they're black and white they're mixed a little okay, bit okay okay uh see i don't like all one color sh- well i say that but i have a pair of vans that are all black but like like sneakers i don't i don't i don't like all one color but usually all of my shoes are black like i don't have any other like weird color shoes i don't have all whites or anything either because like i don't know man i don't really like white shoes i feel like they'd scuffed up too easily so i prefer True. black shoes yeah. i don't usually do all whites and things but i i mean i'm kind of bland, bland the colors yeah, yeah. so like, i kind of stick in a realm of colors that I'm okay with, which is like black, red, and like stuff like that. Like, yeah. you you probably would never ever catch me with like some bright yellow shoes on or something. Definitely, I think the last pair of shoes that I had were like a different color. Were some blue running shoes my brother gave me. It was like he had some like he had some like aqua blue running shoes. He's like, hey, do you want these? I was like, yeah, I could use them, and they were pretty comfortable. But uh, that I I I would definitely would not have picked that color out for myself. Um, anyway, what is your favorite smell or scent? Uh, lavender, actually. Oh, it's a good choice. We haven't had that one on there yet. It, it's, it's just soothing. Um, I can't really speak on why. It's just, that's been, been my go-to fragrance, that's really. Yeah, mine, uh, my favorite smell, it's not necessarily a scent or a fragrance, it's uh, bacon. I love the smell of bacon. 
Yeah, definitely. Okay, so if you had to, you can only watch TV shows or movies for the rest of your life. What would you choose? TV shows. Yeah. At least, at least I know with TV shows, it's like there's a, a progressive storyline, and I'm not like just watching the same hour and 30 minutes each time like i can always be like all right i I don't like this season let me jump to the next season when you know things got better yeah the movie you're just kind of stuck in that you know uh self-contained story yeah 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 Yeah. uh i dig it like i get what you're saying but i gotta go movies because there are there are movies that i love way more than i the the number of movies I love are greater than the number of TV shows I love, so I would have to go with the I would want to have the option of watching more stuff than I love than you know quality over quantity. Like I get you, but TV shows I'm just you. like yeah I, I would go definitely movies. Uh, okay, uh, I'm curious to hear what you say about this. Uh, you get to use a time machine, right? <laughs> when and where would you go? But you have to stay there no more or less than three days. No more. Three days. Yeah, you know, fucking seventy-two hours. You can't can't leave early. You can't stay any longer. And it's a time, so like I have to do like this, like a year or something like that. Or you can, you know, a time period or something like that. It doesn't really matter. You know, keep it as do do what you want with it. <laughs> uh, I mean, so the type of person I am, I would want to go back into like some. Some time frame of like back when it was like shield and sword era. Okay. Just to kind of sit and look at like an actual battlefield. Okay. Like I would I would spend those three days just kind of camped out somewhere watching the the actual battle of like Alexander the Great and whomever just just to see like man these dudes really running across like three hundred yards to run into each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus. I, you know, yeah, okay. See, I don't know if I'd want to go anywhere where we didn't have, like, medical, like, like medicine readily available or, like, technology. Like, I don't know. I, I, three days. Well, some... that's the thing, because the only reason I look at it like this is because, well, in this progressive society we have on where we constantly are redefining and labeling what we consider as, like, you know, masculine, feminine, what a real man is, what a real woman is, stuff like that, like... That to me is would give me like a visceral visual representation of like what it is to be just that kind of core of a man. Like back then, yeah, they knew they was going into a battle and the medical situation was terrible. Yeah. But they went out there and chopped up each other and whoever won got to come back home. And it's like to me that that is a level of like manliness that I don't think exists at this point outside of the people that are like, you know, military and well, we have guns and nukes and stuff now. So mm. it's still not necessarily on that. That is a, I guess, bare, a barbaric level. And I guess that's kind of why I like uh, MMA and UFC because it's, it's just, it's basic. It's hand to hand. It's like, it's the, it's the bare necessities of, I guess, um, combat. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I don't necessarily know if I would value the same thing, but I, I understand where you're coming from. Okay, I think I know the answer to this one, but uh, 
Would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or a Nobel Prize winner, and for what? I'd probably rather be a Nobel Prize winner. Oh, I thought with as you know, what you just described is the physicality that you value. Like, I thought you would go Olympic gold medalist. Well, the reason is, so although I am a very, you know, athletic-based person, like a lot of the things I've done in life have been center around sports and things like that I value knowledge above any and everything because I am one of the advocates of you know teachers should be teachers, doctors and stuff like that should be paid more than entertainers and things like that Like that that is my mindset even though I um, benefit from athletic based things so when I think of like a Nobel Peace Prize and stuff I'm thinking well you know, that can be one for doing numerous amount of things outside of just physicality versus anything Olympic is dealing with some type of sport. So it's like that to me gives me more opportunities to achieve that goal versus strictly, you know, streamlining athletics. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to want to know? What kind of Nobel Prize, you know, literature, physics, (laughs) mathematics? I'd probably be like a one of those peace to get like a peace prize. Like I'm, I'm very much like a humanitarian. Like I, okay. I, I actually, I hate the fact that I get this perception off of being like this really mean person. Even though like I know I'm a mean person, but like it's one of those I don't give people shit that they don't ask for. Like I'm very much a helpful person. Like I don't like to see people struggling. I've struggled a lot in my life and I know how it feels to, you know, just think the whole world is against you constantly. So Hmm. the type of person that I've been working on as of late with me bouncing around and just coming into myself as an adult at the age of 28 is, you know, that we ultimately are I'm not going to say ultimately are here to help each other, but helping each other survive in this world is, you know, should be a priority amongst everybody to help each other. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show off much I know. I, I would never have accused you of being mean, man. You've always been a chill dude around me, man. Like, I couldn't imagine, like, I don't even think I've ever heard you raise your voice, man. You seem like such a mellow yeah. dude. That, and, that, and that's the that's the perception um, that is lost amongst a lot of people that they perceive me as one thing and they they either they hear something from other people or they might project what they think I should be hmm. towards me and when I don't um, you know coincide with it when I don't align with it then I get perceived as the uh, aggressive or the mean person when it's really just me saying you know no I know who I am I know the things that I've accomplished you're not going to label me as such as to what you you perceive hmm. and that's a hard thing uh, in my opinion that you know, people struggle with like I said putting yourself in someone else's shoes hmm. like I'll be the first person to be like hey I'm an Aries I'm this fiery goofy joyful person because you know like I said you've met me and that's I, that's who I am when I know you, when I'm happy around you. Yeah. But to people that I don't know that, you know, you may have done something wrong to me or I already know about you or things like that, it's a totally different encounter because, you know, this 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 world and this life has shown 
and taught me that you got to protect yourself. Even people, you know, your own family are susceptible to stabbing you in the back and other things. So Hmm. it's one of those, at least for me as the person I am, I encourage anyone that, you know, if you actually want to know me, come up to me and actually talk to me and get to know me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I totally got that. I totally get that impression from you. But I, I mean, I've known you for a few years now, so I. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last question. I think we've kind of touched on this question a lot throughout this entire episode, but just as a concise response, like you know, uh, five years from now, ten years from now, any extended amount of time moving forward from now, what do you hope we all learn from what's happened this year? I mean, everything that's happened this year. What do you? What do you? What do you hope we all peel away from this, if if we can? simply that if if we are to believe you know and and everybody has their own you know perception of religion gods or whatever you want to look at however you want to look at how you were born or the um, circumstances of human life period whatever creed however you want to look at it at the end of the day if we all can't grasp that we were all put here on this earth to not only you know prosper in ourselves but to also help each other then we will continue to go about the same issues that we have continually done over the years we will continue to war and wage war against each other for the most trivial reasons we will continue to uh abuse our women in the manners that we do like it's it's literally just simple like treat another person as a human as a respectable living breathing human and everyone should be fine in a sense like i i don't believe these notions of like there's not enough money in the world for everyone because at this point everything is pretty much digital like there's enough for everyone to at least have something to live on we always will have some type of money some type of way it's just can we as humans stop being as you said earlier so selfish toward each other and realize that in order to actually benefit from the labor of the past uh, the, the past generation and to help the future generation that we as this current generation have to come become united so that it you know it rolls over and continues to roll yeah i think that's well said man well said i think that's going to do it for us today guys tommy thank you for being on i'm sorry i made you wait like a month to be on but again the problem with (laughs) yeah the problem with doing episodes every two weeks, like if I don't get you on the next episode, it's you know it's a month or something like that, or it's six weeks or stuff like it's a. I, but I can't do it every I can't do it every week. It would drive me crazy and it would burn me out because it almost did. But thank you again for being on, man. Thank you everyone for listening. Please like, subscribe, share. You know, uh, share with your friends. You know, uh, if you don't, that's cool too. If you just enjoyed it, and you want to send some feedback that you liked it, just listening, that's cool too, man. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Tommy, I, I wish you well, man. I uh, look forward to uh, keeping in touch. You know, we have a bachelor party coming next year. I mean, Steven's bachelor party is supposed yeah. to be coming next year. and really excited about that, man. Um, That's going to be something. That is going to be something. Uh, I really hope they don't push the wedding back with everything. 
I hope not. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I guess I'll just catch you later, man. Of course, man. Yeah, man. Anytime you want to uh, hit me up and talk about whatever, I'm there. Yeah, definitely. I definitely try to keep my mind open to any and everything as we all continue to make our way through this uh, storybook that we call life. <laughs> That's really about it. All right, man. I'll catch you later, bro. Take care of yourself. Uh, all right, man, later. All right, bye.